Hello everyone, welcome back to Lipstick and Lightsabers. I am Shannon. And I'm Alex. And even though you can't see us, um, I am reporting from the Death Star, and Alex is reporting in from Exegol. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was not expecting that when we opened up this Skype call, but Alex is sitting on the throne of the Sith. <laughs> it's a mood, though. It's I'm feeling very powerful. <laughs> Do you feel very powerful? Good. <laughs> um... Well, today we are going to be talking about what everybody is talking about, and that is the Siege of Mandalore. Uh, this will be continuing on in our Makeup and Mandalore series, so if you want to catch up with that, or if you want to, you know, refresh yourself on any of the other Mandalore arcs um, within the Clone Wars, Rebels, or the Mandalorian, um, you can go check those episodes out. But today we're going to be talking about episodes one and two, which is episodes nine and ten of the seventh season of the Clone Wars, Siege of Mandalore part one yes <laughs> can you imagine there's only two episodes left no i cannot <laughs> no but then like... i mean it's it's really exciting that we will be getting that mandalorian documentary series so we're not going to be out of star wars that is definitely true. Yeah, we are going to be getting a behind-the-scenes look at The Mandalorian um, on Star Wars Day on May 4th on Disney+. Plus. I am very excited for this mm-hmm. this series coming out. I can't believe the docuseries is as long as the show. Right? Yeah. So <laughs> well, exciting. It, it, it's all dropping at once, right? Isn't it? No. No? It's going to be Weekly. episode by episode? Yeah. Oh, jeez. No, now I'm sad. <laughs> It looks like it's going to be a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, there's going to be really roundtable discussions. Oh, man. All it's going to be really good. All the directors are involved. Can I just say that between that and, like, the way Clone Wars has been going right now, like, maybe Star Wars is good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is yeah. good. It maybe is. Star Wars is good. <laughs> I, I think... Uh, it's just very apparent that, like, the Rise of Skywalker just, like, veered off a cliff. Yeah. I've been uh, trying to not think about the Rise of Skywalker as much. Even though you're reporting to us from yeah. Mexico. Well, I mean, I kind of, like, I was like, oh, crap. She's going to call me any second. I better find something quick. And I just wrote Star Wars <laughs> backgrounds, and it came up, like, as a second thing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I think, um, what, some, like, excerpts from the junior novel came out, which were kind of disheartening. But, like, I don't know. Just, like, watching I'm the Clone Wars. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm ignoring it because, like, the Clone Wars is so good. And, like, Star Wars is so good right now. So, like, it, it's, yeah. it's making The Rise of Skywalker seem a lot smaller, which I think is really good. Mm-hmm. I think the difference is, is I've, I've kind of come into the acceptance stage of disliking The Rise of Skywalker and most of the things that surround it, like novelizations, like the junior novel. And I've just, like, come to accepting that, that it is not for me. But there yeah. are other Star Wars things that are, are still for me. And I'm 100%. trying to focus positive energy on those. Yes, 100%. Like, we didn't read the novelization, or the, the junior novelization, because yeah. we know how no that way. would go. There's no way. I barely yes. made it through the adult novelization. Yeah, nope, that was a train wreck. Yep. <laughs> Well, also coming to Disney Plus, uh, apparently we're going to be getting a new Star Wars series that is female. 
focused, female centric. Weird wording. A little bit. It the wording weirds me out because female centric, at least to me, is not necessarily something that I feel like the fandom is calling out for. I feel like it's femme gaze that we're calling out for. Yes. <laughs> Which doesn't mean like lack of men or lack of interesting male characters. Yes, it, it, it just means, like, we want the feminine gaze. Yeah. And, like, I, I think that that wording is tells weird. us that there are people behind the scenes that, like, don't know what that means, but they are tagging the people who worked on Russian Doll. Um, have you watched that? No, I'm planning. It, it's on my to-be-watched. <laughs> yeah, I haven't watched it either, but apparently it's really, really good, and I saw some interviews um, from some of the women who worked on it, and... Mm-hmm. I am excited about it. I, I have a feeling that it's going to be marketed, like, not well. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be good. Yeah. I think I have faith, like, in from what I've heard about Russian Doll and these creators, that I have faith in them. But the marketing, like you said, is going to be weird. Um, but I think both of us, for homework, we should try to watch Russian Doll before we record next time. Yes, definitely. We've been mm-hmm. consuming um, a lot of femgaze media. So much. <laughs> Do you want to go ahead and talk about um, some quarantine wrecks that we've been going through? Okay. Well, the entire Phoebe Waller-Bridge catalog. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. So the first one I watched was Killing Eve, and I think I may have mentioned that on here. Um, so I watched, I'm completely caught up on Killing Eve now. Love it. It is, um, the, the tension between Eve and Villanelle is, like, so, so great, and it really, um, it just, like, it's just such a, like, a breath of fresh air watching something that's just so, like, like, femme gaze, and so, like, you, you feel like you're, you're being catered to more when you're watching things from Phoebe Waller-Bridge, and, um, and then we watched Fleabag. Yes. <laughs> and <laughs> Fleabag changed my life. Yeah, see, okay. So <laughs> I, I do want to say I've finally started Killing Eve. I'm almost done with the first season. Totally agree with everything Alex said. I have previously watched Fleabag. Um, it's on Amazon Prime, <laughs> which Alex doesn't have. So we streamed it together so that she could watch it. And I was just living <laughs> for my reactions yes <laughs> yeah. okay but i don't understand why when you watched fleabank the first time you didn't beg me to watch it <laughs> i don't know like i because it's it's like it's so good and it's so feminine and like phoebe waller bridge like she just like tells it how it is it's so but realistic i've never like like i don't think i've ever watched something like fleabag where i was like this is like so real it's scary yeah well it's like you know it, it goes beyond like you know fleabag's character is you know very sexual and we deal with that but then we also deal with like the relationship with her sister and her father and like her mother is gone and she's dealing with you know something happened to her best friend and it's just so real. <laughs> like, it's it's a lot. And yeah. I would say that, like, it just feels so natural. Like, it doesn't yeah. feel forced or like I'm yeah, being pandered exactly. to. It doesn't feel like I'm watching this fictional female character on screen, which, like, in a lot of cases, sometimes I do feel like that. Um, yeah. But Fleabag is, like, probably the most real character 
Yes. And, like, specifically season two, like, I would die for season two. (laughs) (laughs) Like, okay, the second they entered that confessional, like, I stopped messaging you because I knew it was happening and I just wanted to see (laughs) what you would do. I think I just, like, keyboard slammed. (laughs) Um, if you haven't watched Fleabag, highly recommend it. Yeah, we're um, not gonna we're not gonna spoil that no. season two. It's too it, good. It's, <laughs> it's only two seasons, um, twelve episodes altogether, and each episode is like twenty minutes, less than thirty. Um, so we were able to like binge that really quickly. Like I also want you to watch Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, oh, but it's longer. Yeah, yeah. But you know I've maybe I'll sign up for a prime. <laughs> So I can rewatch Fleabag and watch Maisel. Oh, uh, see, yeah, there you go. Because, like, I could cast Mrs. Maisel for you. It'll just take longer because <laughs> it's longer. Um, the last little bit in the Phoebe Waller-Bridge um, catalog is her new show, Run, on HBO. Yeah, though it it's not Phoebe, is it? It's, like, her, like, group of creators. Yes. Yeah. So it's I like think she's like executive producing producer. it, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and um, so that's only so as of this coming out, the third episode will have been out by now. But we are gonna watch episode three tonight, I guess. And yeah. I'm really excited. <laughs> <laughs> it's very good. It's got Domino Gleason in it. You know, good old General Hux. It's a it's a very sexy show. <laughs> you described this perfectly. You said it's like a, a perfectly paced fan fiction. Yeah. Like the tension. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I agree. It it really it's is paced. The show is paced perfectly. Yeah. And it, it's just Yeah. <laughs> the tension is so good and like Domino he's Domino, so baby. Yeah. Uh it's it's great. Yeah. I'm I'm he's loving very it. baby. It's funny because we've been watching these shows and then both of us tried to start the third season of Westworld. I've only watched one episode so far and like I just I couldn't yeah. get into it yet. <laughs> I watched two. I've watched two. I, I enjoyed the second episode more, but um it's it's hard after you're consuming so much femme gaze to go to Westworld and be like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I will also say that my mom and I are almost done with Handmaid's Tale. We're like halfway through season three, but we both started um, Little Fires Everywhere, which is so good. (laughs) I let my mom put it on because I was like, she was like, do you want to watch Handmaid's Tale? And I'm like, no, I kind of want to play Animal Crossing, so I don't know if I could pay attention. And she's like, okay, well, I'm going to start this because I want to watch Reese Witherspoon and she's read the book. And like, I just got sucked in and now we're watching that. (laughs) Is that HBO? It's on Hulu. Okay, so I'll have to figure out if I can get it in Canada, if it's it, on Crave or not. If you can get, it, you can get Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, so but should. I think, so, because the way it works is, like, American broadcasters, like, create this sh- these shows, right? Like, an ABC show will be streamed on ABC, but in Canada, a Canadian broadcaster will pick it up. So just mm. because... Handmaid's Tale is Hulu doesn't mean the same streaming service will necessarily buy the broadcasting rights for all Hulu shows. I got you. So it might be there. I'll check. I don't know. Yeah, it's very good. My mom read all of those books. You know, like she read Little Fires Everywhere, um, Big Little Lies, um, all the Gone Yeah, I want to watch that. It's on my watch list on Crave. Yeah, I haven't watched Big Little Lies. My mom did. 
But yeah, all the fem gays media, that's what we want right now. <laughs> and we watched Robin Hood. <laughs> yes. Uh, but up and coming, uh, we are going to be getting a Dr. Afra audiobook on July 21st. Yeah. So have you read anything by this author? I don't think so, but I know who she is. I've seen her name mm-hmm. before. She's an American, um, she's an Asian American author. Her name is Sa- Sarah Kuhn, right? Is that I, right? I think so. <laughs> I didn't put it on here. But I'm very excited for it. I haven't read the comics, um, so I need I to do that. I love the comics. They're really good. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like it's going to be like Dooku Jedi Lost. Like it's going to be a full cast. It's going to be more of like an audio drama type of thing, which I think will be really, really fun. And like, I, what is it? High Republic doesn't start until August. So this will be a month before that. I think we're supposed to be getting Alphabet Squadron sometime in the summer. Um, the next Padme book supposed to be coming out soon. So we're we're slowly getting into some more like new Star Wars media. Yeah, I think it's like a new wave. They're kind of um, having kind of a rebirth right now mm-hmm. after the, the saga is done now. So uh, they're going in new directions. Yes, but you don't have to wait too long for one new Star Wars thing. And that is the new Vader 2020 uh, comic. Issue number three will be out tomorrow as of this video, as of this podcast coming out. So that's super yeah. exciting. And those have been really good, so I'll be picking up my digital copy and reading (laughs) that on Wednesday. So the last thing to talk about before we move into our main discussion is that there has been some changes to lipstick and lightsabers. So you guys might have noticed that we moved our Friday story episode to every other Tuesday. So now one week you're going to get this type of episode and then another week you will get a new story episode. So we're still collecting your Star Wars stories. You can still send that in. Um, We've got all of the prompts for how to do that in the description of this podcast episode and on our website. And we also also relaunched our tea public shop so now lipstick and lightsabers has its own shop before we were sharing it with network 1901 and now all of our designs are available they're always going to be available um, we'll still have new stuff whenever we have a new story episode but if you want to go and check that out literally every single design is up there right now <laughs> it took you a really long time to put them all up too it took me <laughs> It cut me off after 50. It was like, you can't do any more for 24 more hours. And it took me like three hours to do those 50. <laughs> but like, it's okay. I was just listening to an audiobook. And we also have a coffee account now. Um, so if you want to support us on coffee, there will be a link in every podcast episode as well. It's different from Patreon because it's just a one-time thing. It's literally like, you know, like, hey, you know, buy me a coffee. Okay, so let's move in to the siege of Mandalore. Now, we haven't really talked about the Clone Wars um, at all. Like, obviously, the season's almost over. So, what have you been thinking of season seven so far? So, first arc was um, the Bad Batch. Neither of us are clone fans. <laughs> so, I think I enjoyed it for what it was, but it was not necessarily catered to us. Right. Like it wasn't something it wasn't something I disliked. It was just not something that I got excited for. Yeah. Yeah, I I think it was um good to see because I think we're gonna be moving into some more like Rex stuff uh in these last two episodes, but it wasn't like 
exciting for what we like. Yeah. And then we got the the next arc, which was the Ahsoka in 1313 with the sisters arc. And that one I liked a lot more. Um, but, of course, we didn't get to see, like, Anakin and Obi-Wan so much in those episodes. So that was, like, missing for me. But now everything has come together. <laughs> <laughs> yes, now we are in the Siege of Mandalore. It's happening, like... This is what we've been waiting for, like, our whole, mm-hmm. you know, Make Up a Mandalore series has kind of been, like, building to this moment. Yeah. And it, it's kind of crazy that we're here. And it's even crazier because, you know, once that first episode starts, we yeah. are in the Revenge of the Sith territory. Like, it's all happening. It's timeline. happening right yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, Dooku's dead. Yeah. It's... I, it's a lot. Like, everything is happening right now, and it's very, very crazy. I really like that this four-episode arc is set up to be kind of more like a movie. So, like, the logo's different, and there's no fortune cookies at the beginning. Yeah, I think it'll be really fun to watch the four of them in a row. Mm-hmm. Just straight. It really feels like a movie. Well, even watching um, the two of them back to back was really, really cool because like they pick up immediately. Um, so I think it'll be really, really cool mm-hmm. to see how this kind of all comes together. And a lot of people have been saying too, you know, like it started with a movie and now it's going to yeah, end with a movie. Yeah, it's very poetic in that way that we've started with a movie, ended with a movie. And other shows do that too, like, like um, Rapunzel's Tangled Adventure also does that. Mm-hmm. Which is also some great femgaze media that you can check out uh, <laughs> while you're on <in> lockdown. <laughs> so we hadn't really gotten anything about the Siege of Mandalore up until this point. Um, the biggest hints about it were in the Ahsoka novel by E.K. Johnston. And immediately upon episode nine coming out, people were... There was drama, but like it was really hidden. Yeah, like I didn't really see a lot of it. Um, but apparently yeah. people were tweeting at E.K. Johnson asking her which, if her book was canon anymore. And it's just... Which is weird. Yeah. Okay, please explain it to me because I don't really know what's going on. Yeah, so you've read the Ahsoka book twice, right? Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've also read it twice. And what I had remembered, is, you know, most of the book is about Ahsoka after Order 66. She's kind of like you know, living on the edge, like, picking her life back up together. She comes into contact with Inquisitors. She becomes Fulcrum by the end of it. Um, I think it'd be really cool once this is all over to reread this book as well, to kind of go into it a little bit more, since we've got so much more context on Ahsoka. But as far as the Siege of Mandalore went, all I'd remembered was that, like, it happened. (laughs) And, like, you know, Ahsoka lived and she buried yeah. her lightsabers. And, like, that's Wasn't all I remembered. The beginning of the book was her just, like, running away from the Siege of Mandalore, I thought. The, yeah, that's what I remembered, too. So, like, yeah. I, I pulled it out. And the way this book is set up is that between the chapters, there's, like, a flashback type of thing. And it's not always about Ahsoka. Sometimes it's flashback to Anakin or Obi-Wan. And the very first one is the Siege of Mandalore. It's the only time that it's mentioned. The next flashback is after Order 66. Um, I think it's implied that she's burying, like, some of the clones, because then she leaves her lightsabers as well, and she goes on the run. But at the very beginning of this book, this is the first thing you see. This is before Chapter 1. It is the conversation that Ahsoka and Anakin have before she goes to Mandalore. 
which is okay. obviously different than what we get in the show. It's worded differently, but like, I, but I would it, say that like the <laughs> feeling is like the same. Like Star Wars is like that. Yeah, you know? but it's like it's like the Force Awakens novel when Poe and Rey meet. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's just kind of like, like that. Thing. It's not. I I wouldn't say that decanonizes like. Ahsoka novel. No, yeah, like just because like the wording is different and like Obi Wan's not mentioned, but like it doesn't really matter. Um, Anakin still gave her her lightsabers back, so that's I think that's like the most important thing right there. Um, when she's talking to Maul again, like it's the wording is different, but I think what's most important is that Maul still calls out like, you know oh, I didn't choose this life, you didn't choose this life, you were cast out, I was cast out. Like, he's still, like, drawing upon those mirrors, yeah. which, again, is, I think, what is important here. Like, his motives aren't really hinted at. Um, they're, wherever they are, isn't really hinted at. So, like, you can't really say that, like, oh, the fight's different, because you don't see the fight in the book. So, like, it's different, but it's, the the feeling is still there, I think. And then the only other thing that's really different is that her lightsabers are green and yellow, not blue, which I think is just an artistic choice um, yeah. for the show. Yeah, I wouldn't say that decanonizes. No. <laughs> Especially because that is one passage in this book. That is like the first five pages of yeah. the Ahsoka book. And if they really wanted to, they could always go back and edit that first bit and do a re like publish if they wanted to yeah i think the only thing that could like decanonize it is if like the siege of mandalore ends differently and like ahsoka and maul like go off together or like something crazy happens so that like the book can't happen because as of right now like it's just like little details and like they don't tell the authors everything they only tell them what they need to know and this book came out um 2015 yes 2016 so four years ago yeah so it's likely that they already had you know some of the siege of mandalore but they're not gonna tell ek johnston all of that no and like they probably were like i don't know in the early stages of planning this last season yeah so i you know and i bet you like something as little as like oh well her lightsabers are green in the book and not in the show it's like well it doesn't really that doesn't really matter like of course that might have changed so i think it's safe to say that this book is still canon and you can still read it it's neither one of ours favorites um but it does get better like the second time for both of us was a lot better than the first time Mm mm-hmm so let's get in to episode nine, um, Old Friends Not Forgotten. Uh, crying and screaming is the mood, I think. <laughs> um, when I think about this episode, I just think of Anakin and Ahsoka's reunion. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, that's what we've been waiting for, like, ever since the trailer dropped. Like, we knew this was going to happen. It's really emotional. It's very it's emotional. Really, it's Knowing that this is the last time they're going to see each other before Twilight of the Apprentice. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Anakin seeing Ahsoka again, he's so happy to see her. 
Like, he's just so happy. And she's a little bit, like, standoffish. She's a little bit, like, you know, like, hurt me once kind of thing. And even Obi-Wan as well, because I think Obi-Wan has realized, you know, the council wronged her, and he played a part in that. And he's not going to apologize, because I don't think he could do that. But you can see the tension there, and Anakin just doesn't understand, because he wants everything to go back to the way that it was. He, she was such a rock in his life, and then she just, like, comes back into his life so briefly before the turn. Yeah. It's funny, like, I wanted to watch the beginning of Revenge of the Sith before we recorded. I didn't get a chance to, but it's so interesting, the conversation that they have, and, like, Anakin seeing how Ahsoka and Obi-Wan are talking to each other, and, you know, like... It's like, you know, I didn't come back for the council. Like, I came back to help Bo-Katan. And, you know, like, the council isn't always right. I I think it's very important for Anakin to see this. It's very important for him to realize that the council did fail Ahsoka. Because then I think when he's faced later in The Revenge of the Sith with them, you know, not allowing him to be a master and then making him you know, spy on his friend, like, that is another thing where he's going to be like, oh, well, they did this to Ahsoka, so maybe they aren't what they're supposed to be. And it it makes his fall even more believable. Yeah. That, like, just that adding on to Anakin's knowledge of, like, what the Jedi Order has, like, wronged. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because I would say that, like, Anakin ignores a lot of things like he he's he thrives in this like battle and war environment and he does have a lot of political opinions that you see in like attack of the clones but i think when it comes to a lot of that stuff he just kind of as long as he can like do things the way that he wants to do them like he kind of just lets things go if that makes sense and he is so loyal to ahsoka and padme Yes, yeah. Like, his loyalties, like, if you want to get to Anakin, that's how you do it. It's through his loyalties, which I think it's interesting that, like, Palpatine didn't have to manipulate the relationship between Anakin and Ahsoka. He probably would have eventually, but he didn't have to because the Jedi already messed that up. Yeah. (laughs) So he's like, oh, thank you. I didn't have to worry about that one. So at the beginning of this episode, uh, we get a Last Jedi parallel. There are tons of Last Jedi parallels all throughout both of these. Um, But it really draws a line between Luke and his father facing down this army. And it's so cinematic. Yeah, the the scene, it's it's like just a mirror of Kraith. Mm -hmm. Some people were saying that he was supposed to be mirroring Kylo, but like no, it's it's Luke. It's yes, it's like father like son, and I I really love to see that. We also see a little bit about um, fulcrum. So somebody's calling Anakin using the fulcrum signal. He thinks it's gonna be Saw Gerrera, but it's actually Ahsoka. This has been a little bit confusing for people whenever they're talking about it because they're not sure if 
fulcrum is an agent yet or if it is just this one signal and like how that's going to work later on so what do you think is happening you mean like ahsoka's personal signal becomes fulcrum is that what you're saying i i think it was sky talkers who were saying that if anakin's personal channel was fulcrum like if anybody who wanted to get in contact with anakin used this like fulcrum channel then like later Ahsoka adopted the fulcrum title, which I think is cool. But then I would also say that, like, when they start getting several fulcrum agents, how would Vader not know, like, that it was Ahsoka? But yeah, Star Wars is also weird. And I I don't know if they really (sighs) I think they have something in plan in store, but like, I don't know what. Yeah. I think I think it's gonna run deep, and we're gonna be like, "Whoa!" Yeah, I'm ready for it to run deep. Mm-hmm. Like Dave Filoni, take me away. Yeah, <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> Can I just say, like, Bogaton kicked ass? Yes, all of this. Oh, she's amazing. She is the rightful ruler of Mandalore, and you can tell in like every way. Even Ahsoka brings it up. She says that you know, like you're nothing like your sister, saying that she's nothing like Duchess Satine. Which I don't think is a bad thing, but mm-hmm. I do think Bo-Katan is more of what Mandalore needs. I actually think that Mandalore needs both of them. Like, they need both of them to be stable and peaceful, um, which is obviously never going to happen because Satine is gone. And then that happened, and the purge will eventually happen whenever that yes. happens. Yes, which I I think we're going to kind of get into. So it was set up in the previous arc that Bo-Katan needs help. Like they find out that Maul is back on Mandalore and she's ready to strike against him, but she doesn't have the numbers for it. So she reaches out to Ahsoka, who in turn reaches out to Obi-Wan and Anakin to try to like get some forces so they can get in there and take Maul down. But the problem is, is that if the Republic intervenes, it will break centuries-old treaties with Mandalore. Um, Forever, like, Mandalore has been neutral. They, even Satine was like this. She's like, you cannot send Republic aid here. We cannot have separatists here. Like, we are a neutral system. So this would break that. And the people would not respond well to it, which we do see in the second episode. They start to get really mad that the stormtroopers are still here. So this kind of makes me wonder... Is this how the Empire gets in? Or would it have happened anyway? Because Maul, you know, like Sidious was still kind of in control of Maul. Yeah. Like, you mean saying 66 happens while they're still stationed yeah. well, there? Well, it's going to happen while they're still stationed there. Yeah. It's the real way that the Empire takes over is that, you know, Bo Katan's going to win and she's going to become the regent of Mandalore and she will not be bow to the empire she refuses to but good old gar saxon who right now is uh leading (laughs) maul's mandalorian troopers is going to make a deal with the empire to force her out and that's how they get in so when does so when does um gideon come into all this that's a good question because he i guess the empire sends him there so maybe he worked with gar saxon it's, I don't know if we're ever going to get to see that chunk, like the chunk between this and like Rebel timeline. That would be really interesting. Mm-hmm. 
so we get some more, you know, heart-wrenching things like uh, loyalty means everything to the clones. Oh, a little bit of foreshadowing to Order 66 happening there. And I did have a question. So we find out that Maul set this up as a trap. Like, he allowed his location to be revealed so that it would lure Obi-Wan and thus Anakin to the planet. Do we think that Palpatine knew this and that's why he set Revenge of the Sith into motion? Like, he lured Anakin away from potentially going to to Mandalore. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it could have, I think he could have done that. I mean, we know how um, smart Palpatine can be, at least, like, prequel timeline Palpatine. (laughs) Maybe not sequel trilogy Palpatine. He is, yeah, I guess sequel trilogy Palpatine is a clone, and he, like, didn't get all of the smarts passed over to him. So... Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, it just makes me wonder, because if Anakin and Obi-Wan had gone to Maul, like, Maul wants to Anakin. kill to, to Anakin. His, his, um, his, what did, he had, like, a, what's it called? A vision. His vision from happening, basically. Yes. So, do we think that Maul would have killed Anakin, or would... no. I mean, would Revenge of the Sith, would he have still fallen if he had gone to Maul? Like, these are the questions that, like, I just, I know that, like, Palpatine knows these things. But would he have still ordered 66 if Anakin had been on Mandalore? Maybe. I think he waited until Anakin was under his control. Yeah. Like, that was always, like, in the back of his mind. Because he wanted to have Anakin. So so he would have had the Clone Wars going even longer. Maybe. Like, that, he like always had that... it just would have dragged on. Yeah, that was always his, like, you know, whenever I'm ready to end the Clone Wars, I can end the Clone Wars. Yeah. And he was just waiting, you know, t- till he had, like, all the power he wanted, until he had Anakin. And because of Revenge of the Sith, he's finally able to get him. So if he had gone to Mandalore, yeah, it could have been that the Clone Wars was dragged out, or Maul yeah. could have killed him, or maybe he believed Maul and, you know, sided with him. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe. Um, but if it was Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Ahsoka against Maul, like, I don't know if, I don't think Maul would have had a chance. Only if they listened to him. Mm-hmm. Which Maul speaks a lot of truth. <laughs> yeah, just like man, if people had listened to Maul, like things could have been very different. <laughs> um, before we get to that, um, one other thing about this episode, um, we do get to see Prime Minister Almec again. Um, just a refresher on who that is. He is the puppet leader um, being controlled by Maul. Um, he is killed in the next episode, so he's not super important. But we do get a little bit of a return of him. Um, and then also there's that beautiful fight to the ground where Ahsoka has got her lightsabers and she's jumping between ships. And it's just beautiful. Yeah, that's like my favorite scene in Game Wars. <laughs> <laughs> it, um, I've never seen them do animation like that ever in any Clone Wars anime, uh, like animated episode. And it's like... 
It's beautiful. Like, you can tell that a seasoned animator worked on those mm-hmm. scenes. Um, because, like, it, they're so action-heavy, and scenes like that take so much planning to make them look, like, cohesive in a way that the movements move into each other. And it is so clear to me that Ahsoka is, like, she's come into her own. In the scene you see, she, you're like, okay, she's refined. Like, you, like, she knows her next move in her head before she does it, but her body is just so fluid. Like, is just, it's so, it's so good. Well, and they use the force theme, too. Like, the whole time she's yeah. fighting, it's just, like, uh Star Wars is so good. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and with that scene, um, kind of ship Rex and Ahsoka, but then after the second yeah. episode, kind of ship Maul and Ahsoka. So... <laughs> Who will prevail? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But let's get into our second episode. So this is episode 10, The Phantom Apprentice. And I think what's really exciting is that right off the bat in this episode, Maul says the moment may be upon us. And that by that he is meaning all of Darth Sidious's plans coming together. Yeah. I think he knows like after he's like, okay, well, I set this trap for other people and they're not here, so they must be under Sidious's thumb then if they're not here. Exactly, yeah. Like, it's so cool to see Darth Maul talk about Darth Sidious and, like, Katie Pohat Dameron is a Maul queen. If you want to know anything about Darth Maul, talk to Katie. But it it's cool to see, you know, like, he is still afraid of Sidious. Like, this is his number one enemy, and, like, the reason he wanted to lure Anakin here was to take down Darth Sidious. Like, he wanted to foil his plans. And so now he's stuck with Ahsoka. And it's really interesting because he spends most of this episode uh, interrogating a clone to figure out who Ahsoka is. And once he knows, then he's able to make his appeal to her to try to get her to help him to take down Sidious. We also get a lot revealed to us about where we are in the timeline as far as Revenge of the Sith is concerned because we talk to Obi-Wan. We've already passed, like, most of Revenge of the Sith. (laughs) Like, Dooku's dead, Anakin is a spy, and, like, Obi-Wan is on his way to go hunt down General Grievous. It's going down. And, like, I love Ahsoka's, like, reaction to finding out that Anakin is spying. Yeah, because she knows that he wouldn't be happy about that. No. Do you think that... So Obi-Wan tells her that she should talk to Anakin. Do you think she's going to get to? No. No? Oh, man. It's so sad. It's so sad. Because, like, we know that Anakin has to fall. Like, we know that there's no way for him... Like, he's going to fall. But Mm -hmm. it just... Oh, man. I just wonder if he talks to Ahsoka, like, if it would help him or if it would only make that fall more, like, exact. Yeah. Or imagine, like, he tries to calm her and she doesn't pick it up for some reason. Like, she's busy. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) That hurts. (laughs) Yeah, that hurts. It does hurt. Well, because, like, in the Ahsoka novel, when I was flipping through it, she can't sense Anakin anymore, which is why she thinks Anakin's dead. 
like she assumes that Anakin is dead. She doesn't know that he's Vader until like the Twilight of the Apprentice. So, but I think at that at that moment she can piece it together too because of what Maul says in this episode. Yeah, like Maul was right. Maul, She's oh like God. in that moment, Maul was right. Uh, well, and like he, that's what loses her. So Maul makes his literal last Jedi appeal to Ahsoka. Like he reaches out with his hand, you know, join me. We can take everything down together. And she says that she will help him, but she wants to know why he wants Anakin. So when he tells her that he had a vision of him becoming Darth Sidious's apprentice, you know, he was going to fall, all of this, she says, like, no, she doesn't believe him. And that's why they fight. And that's why she captures him. It was because she believes in him. Darksiders don't lie, Shannon. I know. That's the thing. Darksiders (laughs) never lie. (laughs) But she just believes wholeheartedly that Anakin is good. Like, even when, you know, in that first episode, when she's with, like, Anakin and Obi-Wan, like, when she's with Anakin, like, she is relaxed. Like, she feels like things could be good again. Like, Anakin is good. She cannot believe that he is going to be the downfall of the Republic. Mm-hmm. And Maul also says that the Republic has already fallen. You just haven't seen it yet. Maul is so smart. He is. If everybody just listened to could Maul, Maul be, be like, Could Maul be, like, the greatest, like, dark user, like, dark force user? Yes. I think, yeah. like, on a meta level, like, Maul is the most developed character in all of Star Wars, probably. Yeah. Like, maybe Vader. There's been a lot of Vader stuff. In comics. Yeah. And and, and Immortal. Yeah. Yeah, But, like, Maul has been in every TV... Like, almost every TV show. He wasn't in Resistance. (laughs) Although that'd be funny. Imagine. (laughs) (laughs) Kaz phasing off against Darth Maul. (laughs) Um, But he's been in a lot of TV shows. His arc is always very important. Anytime Maul shows up, it's something important is happening like even him being in solo like yeah that's an easter egg of him like still being around because he's still in charge of the crime syndicates which by the way dryden voss also makes an appearance was in this episode yeah but like anytime he shows up it's important because he knows things (laughs) he's very smart can't wait to see him in an eventual dapamir show with kira please Please, I want a Night Sister show so bad. <laughs> Come to me on Dathomir. Just, oh my god. So, I think that obviously the biggest thing in this episode is the fight. So, after that appeal, they do fight. And this is when we get um, the mocap mm-hmm. introduced. You um, also which have, you said. You also have a note that says the fight is hot. <laughs> the fight is very hot. Okay. <laughs> Like, if you don't ship Maul and Ahsoka at least a little bit, I don't believe you. <laughs> like, did you see how he was sitting on the throne? <laughs> yeah, it was exactly like that um, concept art of Kylo for the last, uh, sorry, the Rise of Skywalker for the Dark Throne. Though yeah. both of us don't take that image as canon because Kylo would never sit like that. But Maul yeah, he's definitely would. <laughs> yes. Maul is man-spreading on that throne. He knew Ahsoka was going to walk into that room, and he's like, oh, hello. <laughs> Come here often. It's just a lot, okay? 
<laughs> we have a lot of questions. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we do. <laughs> but <laughs> I wanted you to talk a little bit about the mocap, because I think you have a interesting perspective. I do. Um, so everyone's, like, slobbering themselves over the mocap, but whispers into the mic, I didn't like the mocap. <laughs> <laughs> It's not so so I have to go into explanation like why I don't like it. It's not that it looked bad. It actually looked really good. It like on its own like just by itself it looked really really good, but it was such a like departure from the Clone Wars style that it like took me out of it. Like the the timing and like the fluidity the the the, the weight that um, the mocap was giving the characters was so different than what like what they usually feel like that it was like okay this is I, I I'm having a hard time like believing this scene in relation to everything else and like like I said the previous episode there was this one scene with Ahsoka like j- like flying out and jumping on all these ships and fighting that was so fluid and refined but the problem with mocap I think is it picks up smaller movements from the mocap actor and and the animators will follow that and in in the clone war style of animation I think things are more simplified and simplification in animation doesn't mean it's like babier or that it's worse it's just it has this like visual language and I think that the mocap broke that visual language of the Clone Wars. Which I do agree with because like the second time I watched it I I tried to like keep that in mind yeah. and I agree it does look different. It feels heavier. Like the, yes. the, the, the characters feel a lot heavier. That's I like the the characters have like weight to them which I so I did like the mocap. Because, like, I, I thought it looked really cool. Like, you can tell when yeah. the mocap well, gets that, turned on. <laughs> yeah, but that's what I'm saying, is that it's not that the mocap necessarily looked bad. It didn't. Like, it, it, it looked it really good. Out. But it, for me, it doesn't fit with, the like, the language of the show. Yeah, I, which I agree. Like, like, even what you said about, like, the characters feeling, like, heavier. Like, you can tell when they've switched to mocap because yeah. of the way Maul is moving suddenly, which yeah. I think looks super cool. But, like, yeah, it, it does stand out. Like, it, I love that they got to, like, bring Ray Park back in. Mm-hmm. And, like, you can totally tell that it's Ray Park who's fighting. But, like, yeah, it, it does stand out. So, fight's hot. It's great. <laughs> Everything's going great. Um, I think the, like, last thing really to talk about here, so... Maul is captured at the end of this episode. Um, he's very upset. Um, obviously, we want to know what's going to happen next. But, like, I kind of want to talk about some, like, Mandalorian, like, politics for just a second. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Maul really does a great job of motivating the Mandalorians. Um, he has a really interesting speech to them where he tells them basically that they're all going to die. But they're all going to die as warriors. They're going to die with glory. They'll die on the field of battle, which is all very integral to, like, the Mandalore way of life. Yeah. Well, especially the the Mandalorian way of life that we see in the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I would say even, um, 
in previous Clone yeah. Wars, too, because that's why Death Watch wanted to overthrow Satine, because Satine had brought in a pacifist way of life, which is very, it goes against, like, their traditional values. So, like, it, it really makes sense to me, like, why people would follow Maul, because he really does seem to, like, gets like the traditional like Mandalorian values and obviously not all Mandalorians on this planet know that they're being controlled by Maul because he does still have Almec although their their armor is very Maul <laughs> which I, I really like it it looks really cool but when they're fighting and it's clear that the Republic is winning Gar Saxon does ask for reinforcements, but Maul is running away. Um, he's not going to help them because he wants to try to get away. So he just tells him to die well. And we know that Gar Saxon's not going to die. We just talked about this. He's going to make a deal with the Empire to usurp Bo-Katan, which I would say, like, Mandalorians fight amongst themselves a lot. They have a lot of civil wars. They are very prideful, but it just seems so against their values to me to see Gar Saxon, like to know that Gar Saxon's going to turn against Satine or to turn against Bo-Katan and side with the Empire. Yeah, because their loyalties, even even after all that civil fighting, like is still within their own like within their own population within the mandalorian people so yeah it is is out of mandalore culture to decide to be loyal to another group mm-hmm because even even maul did it in a way to where like you know he won the dark saber like he won yeah. it through combat he, like he completely understands the mandalore way yeah. Like he is that smart that he was like, I properly need to be won over by the people. Yeah. And that's not how the Empire thinks, which I, yeah. I think like the best place you see that is in Lost Stars because they want you to like forget about where you came from. They want you to be completely like assimilated within you, the Empire. You are a resident of the Empire. You are not a Mandalorian anymore. Exactly. Basically. Yeah. It, it, it's yeah. so opposite. So, like, I would love to see, or, like, I would love to get, like, a Bo-Katan book to see that yeah. happen. That'd be really fascinating. Because, like, obviously she's going to go into hiding, but so many Mandalorians are still going to side with Gar Saxon. Like, that is how they're going to get so many to follow under their rule, is through Gar Saxon. And then whatever the purge is, like, they are going to control the Mandalorians through fear, once they get Bo-Katan out of the way. It's, there's still so much history there that we don't know. And there's, I, I wonder if we're going to get to explore it with the Mandalorian. We did see the episode titles come out. I think it's going to be more about Baby Yoda. It's going to be more about the child than it is about, like, Din Djarin and, like, his past. Yeah. Um, Though, but I'd like to know. Um, Giancarlo Esposito said he had used the Darksaber a lot. Mm-hmm. He said, didn't he say he broke three or four of them? Yeah, yeah he did. Yeah. <laughs> Where was the Darksaber in this episode, I wonder? Because he fights, Maul fights with his double-bladed saber. Yeah. Obviously, know. it's going to end up on Dathomir. Because so that's where Ezra there? finds it. Maybe. I could see him already, you know, like, having that hidden away. And he was only on Mandalore 
to lure out Obi-Wan and Anakin, so maybe he just didn't bring it with him? Yeah. These are questions that we have. And obviously, you know, we still have half of this movie to see. We still have two more episodes. Like, mm-hmm. so much has already happened. <laughs> like, I what's going to happen now? I, I think the last episode is going to blow everyone's minds. Oh, God. <laughs> I really, I think that we're going to see Anakin. We're going to see maybe a repeat of a Revenge of the Sith, uh, like, scene. Oh, my God. I I wonder if we're going to get, like, Ahsoka trying to call, like, Anakin or Obi-Wan. Like, you said, like, you know, Anakin trying to call her. But, like, what if after Order 66 she tries to call them? Yeah. Because, like, you know, Obi-Wan's already, he goes into hiding, like, immediately. Yeah. Um... And or, obviously, Anakin's beyond reach. I was going to say, even her kind of calling out to them in the Force, trying to feel for them when when things start to go wrong, when she's helping Rex, like, like when she realizes what is going on, like, her reaching out in the Force to try to feel them mm-hmm. there and not yeah. feeling them. There's been a lot of theories, too, on how she's going to survive. Because um, I, I think before, like, the idea was that, like, Rex and his troopers were going to fight their programming and not kill Ahsoka, but she's also not a Jedi, mm-hmm. and she's not the general. Like, she's just there as an advisor, so it, people were wondering, like, how specific the, like, order is. Like, oh, she has lightsabers, kill that one, like, kind of thing. Hmm, yeah. It's going to be interesting, and it's going to be heartbreaking. <laughs> and I don't know if we're ready. <laughs> no, we're not. We're so not ready. I definitely <laughs> want to rewatch Revenge of the Sith either before the last episode or, like, right after the last episode. Because <laughs> it depends on how much pain I want to put me put myself in. <laughs> but, yeah, is there anything else you want to say about these two episodes of The Clone Wars? No. It's very good Star Wars. It's very good Star Wars. Like, listen, guys, if you are down about Star Wars, even if you are not a Clone Wars fan, watch this arc of the Clone Wars. It's so good. It is so poignant. It's, like, the parallels, the callbacks, the storytelling. It's great. I'm I'm also always on the train that if you're feeling down about Star Wars, watch Rebels. Rebels, like... Rebels is so contained, yet still, like, speaks out to the rest of canon that you can just, like, enjoy it on its own. But next time, uh, we will talk about the last half of the Siege of Mandalore. We're really excited. Um, We'd also love to know if you guys have any thoughts or theories about what's going to happen. If you're interested in learning a little bit more about any of the rest of what we've gotten for Mandalore, you can check out uh, the other episodes in our Makeup and Mandalore series. Hope everybody's doing well out there in this quarantine. Try to stay safe. Watch some Femgaze Media. All that kind of fun stuff. Yeah, watch Fleabag. Yeah, just watch Fleabag. Like, we also watched uh, Legend of Tarzan, uh, Robin Hood, Jupiter Ascending. Wouldn't really recommend Jupiter Ascending. (laughs) But there's so many great things out there. Yeah. Yeah. No, guys, 
Watch Fleabag. <laughs> just watch Fleabag. Just watch Fleabag. Uh, if you want to keep the conversation going or if you want to yell at us about Fleabag, um, you can find us at lip underscore lightsabers on Twitter. I am at McCarter Shannon and she is at Alex Leonis. Don't forget, um, our story episodes are now every other Tuesday. So next week we will have a new story for you. You can also check out our brand new shop that is its own place for lipstick and lightsabers to finally call its home. And we also have our new coffee, which you can find all of the links for it down in the description of this episode but thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you guys next time bye bye